that seller was ready to move. He was done with his building, but he works full-time long hours. He has five kids or whatever, right? So just a busy man. And one, he needs a place to go. And two, he needs movers. He needs, right? So it's not about price with him. It was about getting him to the next thing. So just figuring that out and creating the logistics of getting him a rental apartment, getting him a van and people to load him and bring him to the next place on a weekend, that's what got the deal done. Welcome to the Real Estate Addicts Podcast. This is episode 84 with your hosts, Mark Savatsky, Choose Boston. Dan Rubin, RH Investment Group. Unbelievable. <laughs> Ray Herto. Ray Herto of the RH, not Ray Herto, Investment Group. And joining us today is our guests. Yoni Shehu, Whiteacre Properties. And Enes Shehu, Whiteacre Properties. Awesome, guys. Thanks for coming out. Appreciate it. This is great, man. Yeah. Thank you for having us. It's hard to miss your truck parked out front. It is wrapped from uh, bumper to bumper with yeah. uh, some great branding. Tell us about that. Is, uh, is that part of your finding off-market deals? You're building that presence, that, that brand awareness? How Have you gotten any calls from the, just the truck? We got calls from the truck, yeah. Do you really? Yeah, we actually <laughs> we did have a, a, a lead contract that we signed, and it didn't go to closing for multiple reasons, but it was just a vacant piece of land, and he just knocked on my window when I was part of the bank. No. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. And he said, hey, you buy houses? I said, yes. <laughs> More often than not, it's, hey, you're in my parking spot. Get out of here. Yeah. Typically, you're just sending thousands of letters. I've seen right. your, your machines at work. Yeah. Tell us about that. That's quite an operation. You print your own Money? marketing? Everything? <laughs> Money. Uh, yeah, I'll let, I'll let you only take this one since he runs marketing, but we, we print a ton. Yeah. Definitely, we don't print money. Uh, there will be, be a fun way of financing those, though. Uh, Attention, IRS. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, yeah, no, we do. We do. Uh, uh, we have our in-house direct mail, basically uh, operation or room. We have uh, full-time employees, and uh, you know, we, we try. We try to uh, be different from everyone else. So, you know, things like having machines that uh, that basically randomize like uh, writing. So it literally has like you know, it, it's basically a. a a robotic machine that has like an arm. I'm sure you've seen. And it's like holding pen. a ballpoint pen. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, things like that make a make a make a difference. What uh, does that machine cost? Good question. It's eight, about eight thousand dollars. Yeah. Per machine. Per machine. Per machine. Per machine. Yeah. You got to print yeah. a lot of money to pay for that machine. <laughs> what true. Uh, true. What made you bring? marketing in-house, in-house yeah. because i know like we've done direct we mail. had justin on the yeah on we've the done direct mail in the past past and we've used obviously justin silverio yeah. open letter marketing justin you owe us for that plug yes That's, yes there's, there's not sponsored voice um, sorry dave so what made you decide to bring it in-house and the reasons why i guess i would say just having more control over it um and not not a double plug uh, justin is awesome he's, he's actually great but uh we just since the beginning we just wanted more control. We wanted to to control the you know the volume. We wanted to control the messaging and and uh, yeah. Oh, so you kinda, you've done it from the beginning, your own pretty, marketing. Pretty, pretty much. I mean, we started some campaigns that were actually that were outsourced. Actually, they were outsourced. But again, the idea at the time was the results were not you know uh, for every change we would make, we couldn't really. We, we were feeling that we weren't getting the, the, the control of the result, basically. Or right? tracking, right? Tracking, right. Uh, you know, if we increase the, you know, if we increase the volume, uh, the lists, uh, it just, it, it helped to keep everything in, internal, basically, in-house. Are you using an internal CRM to track everything or how are you tracking everything? 
How are we tracking everything? <laughs> uh, back, uh, so the, the, the legacy CRM was, uh, uh, I'm sure you guys have heard of it, uh, Google Spreadsheets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and actually, I have a fun fact. Uh, uh, the, this is um, one, one of, actually, the first lead on that uh, spreadsheet. I, I looked it up. It, you know, we kind of stopped working it or using it in 2019 or so, 2018. The first lead, and, and I'll show you proof, was Dan Rubin, actually. Oh. <laughs> it was, wow. yeah. I called you. Yeah, you called. Uh, it, was, it was funny. I forget the, the notes, oh. but it was like, oh, he's an investor. So, yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was an interesting one. Uh, kind, of, <laughs> kind of closing the loop. <laughs> was that an ass? Uh, definitely something like argumentative, I think. I saw. No. <laughs> he's more elusive, right? Doesn't, doesn't I like really to answer call, questions. I, no, I, I've usually, because obviously we get a lot of letters right. from people trying to buy our properties. Right. And so... Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago or years ago, I used to call to see who's buying. Exactly, exactly. You know, and 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 if I came across something that we wanted to either wholesale or wholesale or something, we would. Yeah. And it was add funny, but that's how. Uh, again, that at the time, uh, that's how I we first, you know, I first learned your name, and then kind of have, we're doing meetups, and then <laughs> you know, I, I was uh, so yeah. Anyways, closing the closing the loop on that, but um, so to answer your question, uh, you know. The CRM was spreadsheets. Uh, we now we changed to Podio. Uh, okay. Actually, we just went back to Podio, but uh, we had another uh, kind of off-the-shelf CRM that kind of tracks everything. But yeah, call rail for for phone numbers, etc. Okay. It takes a real commitment to it. Like I, at some points in my career, I've mailed letters. I took out a classified ad or some sort of ad in like a local South Boston newspaper, mm-hmm. and uh, it was just my phone did not ring that often. So who gets the phone calls when it yeah. does ring and how often? What are your response rates? Yeah. Good question. Uh, both good questions. I mean, so to Mark's point, commitment. Definitely yeah. commitment is big. You can have some of the most, uh, you know, eye-catching, you know, marketing, whatever. Uh, you have to have at least six, eight, 10 months, 12 months. You have to make that commitment. And there are months that you're not going to get any calls, for example. But um, you have to have the commitment. That's, that's what we learned. And we learned that the hard way. You know, we kind of... There were months or years that we stopped early, you know, three months. We we were like trying to save money. Yeah. It's all about uh, being consistent. Consistency is huge. Yeah. We, would, we would do yeah. every month and I don't know how the frequently same list, we do it. Yeah. yeah. Same list. Just every month. Yep. It do you sounds... take people off your list when they call you and ask you to? <laughs> yeah, you have to. You, well, yeah. You have. Legally. I think answered, I, exactly. Legally, I you have kidding. to. So, <laughs> so we did. Yeah, Mark no, just we, got some death stares from all of us. <laughs> no, no, you take them off the list. Yeah. <laughs> we keep we keep everything above board. Uh, we, uh, yeah, no, we, we do. We do. Yeah. Basically, unless, uh, especially when they say, yeah, take me off the list. But, you know, we get all kinds. Typically, the calls are, um, they fall in the buckets of, you know, three buckets, right? The remove me, basically, don't ever call me again. I'll call the attorney general's office, yeah. whatever. Uh, because you want to buy their ass. Right. I'm like, oh, can't believe it. <laughs> oh, we've gotten some how really should, ridiculous How calls. dare you try to give me money for right. something I own? We should, pay, we should play one of those voicemails that we've gotten, making sure there's no like actual personal info on there, because that one was hilarious. The one we, that, yeah, we have I played it on the YouTube video that I did. Oh, oh that's right. Yeah. That's right. right. So what are the other two Plunk varieties? The, YouTube video. The, two, the other two varieties are basically, uh, you know, uh, uh, maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe I get tons of offers. I don't, I don't have to say, you know, maybe enough. Yeah. yeah. And those are actually, those are great leads too, but just kind of, you have to put them in a, in a, you know, email sequence, in an email trip, whatever. Uh, but you have to consistently follow up with them. All of our deals. I mean, Pretty much 99% of our deals came from those types of, you know, maybe in six months, I don't know, you know, make me an offer, that type of um, seller, right? And then the kind of unicorns are, you know what? Yeah, actually, now it's a good time. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I've been thinking about selling. Yeah, sure. Let's set up a, let's schedule a seller appointment. 
So when they call our number, basically it goes to uh, an inside sales, inside sales agent. We have someone that's great. They answer every phone live. Recently, since we kind of kept increasing our volume, uh, currently we do about 40,000 or so pieces a month. 40,000? Oh, wow. Yeah. We wanted to stop and acknowledge our sponsor, First Boston Capital Partners. Uh, Dave Grossman and his team do a fantastic job. So if you need financing to build a building, we highly recommend reaching out to them. They're super flexible, fast, really good group to work with. Uh, can't say enough. So First Boston Capital Partners, you can reach out to us for an introduction and I'll be happy to put you in touch. The USPS, <laughs> you guys are single-handedly keeping them in business. In business, right? What's Barely. your? What's your? Sorry, I'm jumping all over. But what's yeah. your? What's your target area? So this is the thing. When you start with, with that kind of volume, because forty thousand is a lot. It is, and 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 the, the funny thing is that you can't have niche or specialty lists. There's just not enough homeowners with equity in Massachusetts uh -huh. to, to to kind of to have all specialty lists. So it has to be basically. I mean, the greater Boston area, obviously, Worcester counties, we do it by county, Middlesex County, um, you know, Norfolk County, et cetera, Plymouth County. Pretty much, we don't go as far as Springfield, but kind of the Worcester County is, 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 our, is our border. And what, sorry, going back, what would you say your response rates oh, yeah, are typically I, are? I was, I was going to, yeah, I was going <laughs> to answer that. Uh, okay. It was, it's low. It's low. It's, it's basically, it ranges anywhere from, you know, Less than one percent. I mean, 07 percent to like three percent, and the three percent—that's that's about average, though, right? One percent yeah. is usually the average. Correct. That, correct. That's twelve hundred. I just did, I just got to calculate it. <laughs> if you get three percent of forty thousand, that's twelve hundred calls a month. We don't get that many calls a month. Absolutely not. Or is that, that over like a campaign, like a six or twelve month period? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. It's it's actually it's it's uh no, it's, it's, it's one hundred and twenty. <laughs> I had an extra zero. I like, that seems off. Three percent. That sounds like way too much. Sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Honestly, that sounds about right. <laughs> but one thing you only um, I think to share is also the fact that who's taking phone calls right now because one hundred and twenty yes. calls it's a lot. Yeah. So we outsource that first. Um, that service. We hired Call Porter. Callporter.com is this third-party company. They answer the phones live 24-7. And then if someone is interested in getting to know us or learning more, then they schedule a call with our ISA, inside right. inside sales agent. And then she so takes you have a it, first touch. Correct. There's yeah, a, like a filter. Yeah. Someone yeah, a like filter. filtering them. Yeah. Because you'll get a lot of the people that just say, remove me or Correct. whatever. Angry Correct. people, people oh, that yeah. just start talking about politics, nothing to do with real right. estate. Uh, so, so you want to, you want to, you want to uh, vet as many of those. Great point. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to touch on that. And it's, yeah, Cold Porter basically, we're happy with them because they answer as white acre properties. They, they, all they do is, is their clientele is essentially real estate investors. You so know, when a call comes in, they know it's associated with your correct, mailing, correct? So they can represent your company. That's correct. nice. That's and good. you know, they're 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 English speaking. They're uh, in Indianapolis. I hope course. they're English speaking. <laughs> right? I'm <laughs> like, I'm like, uh, yeah. That'd be I'm funny like, though. Like throw them for a loop. Put on like a yeah, 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 know, like different a... language. <laughs> oh, oh, English. Okay. Now, do, do they have access to your list? Uh, uh, like, no, how do they look up? How do they look up? They don't. They don't. They actually oh, don't. Okay. Yeah. So all they do is basically they know that when uh, a, a call comes in from that number, they know that it's from White Acre property. I mean, it's for White Acre properties. Uh, they do not have the information for you know for the for the person that's calling for the caller. So they just have a form. You know, it's actually a pretty pretty detailed form. Uh, we want to vet out uh, tire kickers. You know, we want to get uh, basic information, contact information, address, uh, then you know motivation, property. You know, mm -hmm. well, what got you thinking about selling? Kind of depending on what the answers are, you can go even deep, even more detailed than that. Dan, did you mean are they tied into like their CRM? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. The answer is no, and and we don't 
yeah, we haven't seen a, a need for that because there are a lot of, uh, you know, people that hang up, people that call just, oh, they're real people and just hang up. Oh. We do call them, obviously, we do call them back. So, yeah, I mean, internally, not through mm-hmm. cold border, but we see, you know, missed calls, abandoned calls, et cetera. Yeah. And- but that's the most important thing with them, though, is that they answer 24-7, so you don't miss out on mm-hmm calls right and it's all about speed to action with those type of leads so how many are you we, we know how many letters you send out how many calls you're getting back how many of these uh, are you transacting on uh per month per year what's uh what's sort of your volume these days i looked at the board and we got like 35 addresses on the board wow. that doesn't mean that we are under agreement yeah. actually those are all properties we are under agreement on but not some of them we don't own right yeah. we just have signed mm-hmm. offers or pnss so mm-hmm. Per month, it might be somewhere between two and four transactions that we might go pending. And that's all from the direct mail mostly and the cold calling. Yeah. And, and That's great. Yeah. And how many of those are you wholesaling or assigning versus keeping yourself and developing or holding? If we end up signing four, we're probably going to do one fix and flip out of that. And then... So the rest 25%. either yeah wholesale or partner up with someone or think maybe a buy and hold right but yeah nice the, the fix and flip has been tough to really manage all of them now and we got like six at a time going it's just too much mm-hmm. and it's interesting because you you I, obviously i follow you and it seems that you you will do anything right because i've seen you doing small single families you're doing large multi-family in the city so what, I guess, why not have more of a kind of targeted niche that you do yourself? Why do everything? That's a good question. I think when we started out that the fix and flips was what we learned about and we got good at it. And then you get to a point where you get so many leads that you say, you know what, let me try the condo conversion, right? I see these guys, Dan and Ray do it. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I, can, I can do this. So I think it's just us being entrepreneurs that we would just want to learn, you know, how yeah. to do something different. else and different. And is it going to be better? The fact that we have, we're doing so many different things, I don't think it helps us internally with operations. I think being niche and just doing one thing, it's probably the best way. Which one do you like the most? Which one's the most profitable? Are they the same? The most profitable has been the ground up construction. We only have done two so far, but those, the, the triple deckers in Dorchester, those have been the, the, the best. Uh, we sold one as condos and we kept the other one better margins on those, but also because we got the land so cheap. Mm-hmm. Which one do you like the most? Do you like those two versus the other? I like the one that rentals. we kept just yeah. because we put so much mm-hmm. effort into it, you know, right. going through zoning and building it. And now we own it and keep it. I think the satisfaction for that is bigger than just mm. spending eight months, six months, renovating a single family, selling it. It's, you know, you make good money, but it just, it's and over. Do you have a, a whole, a buy and hold portfolio or rental portfolio yeah. as well? Okay. Yeah. Because you're, I think you're, you recently got a pretty large project approved, right? Right. In the city. 34, 34 units. units. Nice. Hey. How is that process? It's, it's going to uh, be a beautiful building. It's going to be a beautiful building, definitely out of our comfort zone, right? And it goes back to what I was saying to just, you know, getting out there and trying to learn uh, what it takes to do something at scale. And maybe we'll be better instead of owning 34 single families, this will be a better building because it's going to be a rental building. Nice. But totally different ball game compared to the triple decker or the single family, you know, renovations, right? So it's uh, so we're learning there. Can we go into that one a little bit? Sure. So I happen to know some specifics on this project. <laughs> uh, this started out as two single families on a very prominent corner in Hyde Park. 
double yellow line kind of road. And uh, the single family sat on good sized pieces of land. And you went through the whole Article 80 uh, small project review and uh, came out with 34 units. Hoping to break ground late fall. So tell us about it. What's, what's the experience been like? Do you have another one lined up? Yeah. So this one, actually, I was the acquisition guy that went on this appointment like four years ago, right? I think that's what it was. Back then I was going on appointments. Now I don't go on appointments anymore, but I remember meeting with a seller and, and she was looking for a large number that you just, we couldn't really pay. I, she was asking for 1.4 million for this two single family in Hyde Park. When you look at those two single families next to each other, they're not worth 1.4. They needed some work, right? So again, trying to be creative, and we do that a lot in our business, is trying to think outside the box. We said, well, what if we actually can offer you what you're looking for, but it's going to be contingent on permits, right? And we didn't know it was going to be 20 units, 10 units, or 40 or 50 units, right? We just thought this is a busy corner. And and what got us thinking of, of the development was the fact that you got multi-family all around you. And those are four-story brick buildings, right? So you got this two families surrounded by this multi-family property that that are four stories high. So I said, maybe the city will be open to us build something big here. But we took the risk because now all the funds that we put into the soft cost of the zoning architects, engineering and architects, that was all, at the end of the day, that's a gamble, right? Because we just don't know how many units we're going to come out of this with. It's not cheap on a building that size. Right. And you could get approved, you could get denied, you could get reduced. It could be anything. So Mark, to go back to just the thought process back then was, let's try this. We were in the fortunate position that we had some cash flow and cash coming from our transactions, our fix and flip. So we said, let's just gamble through this with the right team. So you only did a lot of due diligence. It's not like we went there Mm -hmm. unprepared. We hired a zoning attorney. So they gave us their opinion. They said, you could probably get something in the range of 30 to 50 units here, depending where we end up. But uh, so they felt comfortable and gave us confidence. And then we just took it from there. I, I, I think what we learned from it is that doesn't, it's okay if you don't know what you're doing, just hire the people that know what, <laughs> doing, what they're doing, right? Was the uh, number that you got approved, was that the number you started at or did it kind of get tweaked during the process? It, came, it, it was uh, strategically tweaked down. Yes, yeah, so I just mentioned that you know we did a lot of due diligence. Just honestly, again, we were not from Hyde Park. We're not Hyde Park, you know, born and raised, so to speak. But just kind of looking at approved or projects that have been approved, new construction. There was a couple of uh, comparables, so to speak. There were a couple of projects. I just looked up who, who was the zoning attorney. Uh, Cole called him next the next day. I went to his office in downtown Boston, and that's what they specialize on, right? Just just 30, 40 unit plus type of approvals, and we just went step by step. Not to get too deep, but like that's what makes you a good entrepreneur. It's like you don't. You don't always know the answer or have seen this problem before, but to be able to navigate around it and find resources who have seen it before and help you kind of solve no matter what what you're looking at, I always think that that's a general trait of a good entrepreneur. Oh, 100%. 100%. How long did the whole process take? It took us a while because this actually, the process with the ZBA and BPDA happened during COVID. So oh. it was just, it took us a while to get everyone on Zoom and, and go through that process. Um, and didn't you say that you went years. on site years. four years ago when you first made contact? That's correct. correct. So it's been four years correct. between the negotiating part. Like how long did it go from negotiating first contact to actually going under contract? Because sometimes those can take six a while. Uh, in, within six months, yeah, six four, months. six months, something like that. Yeah. 
So we gave so, them their so prize. So four so years since first contact. Right, <laughs> and we haven't broken ground yet, right? Yeah. We got- so That's another know, 18. That's another oh, 18 man. months. Right. It's like almost- <laughs> And it's, yeah, it, it was, again, <laughs> learning with every step, but it wasn't just, you know, us not, you know, being being amateurs. It's just, you know, COVID hit, just every, yeah. everything at, at once. But it's a cool story and it and it shows that you're growing as entrepreneurs and, and so- Well, yeah. my point is, it's not, it, yeah, it's not, it, my Thank point you. definitely was not to highlight how long it took. It's just- well, it's to highlight how long it took because that's the process in the city here, right? right and right. certain markets you can go really fast, mm -hmm. and up here you have to go through the whole process, and that—that's it. I mean, Dan and I talk about this all the time. If we go start to finish, it's like three to five years sometimes on these projects. It's crazy. Yeah, I like to say you're signing the front of a lot of checks before you sign the backs of any. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's a, a great analogy. Heard that before. <laughs> never heard that. Nice. But to answer your question, it was, uh, we started 40, 42 units, 43 units, knowing yeah. very well that we would be ending up in the 30s. Yes. Yeah. Well, congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Looking Thank forward to seeing it play out. Have you closed? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. There's a great owner's rep there. We got a great... <laughs> <laughs> we got a... Yeah. Mark, thanks for that. Also, <laughs> is your owner's rep also a notary? Yeah. <laughs> yes. How, uh, so. how are yeah. you financing that project? So we actually go... So we did... Um, work with a hard money lender for the acquisition. And okay. now we're gonna, uh, we're looking now, and we're in the process now of securing another lender for the construction, nice. refinancing out. Cause we purchased this right before ZBA approvals, I believe. We had BPDA approvals, but not, uh, I'm sorry, BPDA approvals. And I believe, no, actually we did have ZBA approvals, but it hadn't passed the-, the, the No building the, permit. No building no permit. Building permit. Right. So no building was... permit. Basically, we had ZBA approvals, but not the actual written uh, decision. Decision, decision letter. So it's uh, the grace period or the, the cooling off period. Yeah, yeah. Cooling off we got period, to a exactly. point that the seller got so tired that we had to close, or we we might have just yeah they might have walked out. Can you imagine how irrational that is? I've been in that same position, and you're just looking at this person like, are you really going to do it? Like. That is crazy. You're re, you're literally, you will be resetting the clock. I'm like, that's like waiting for your groceries for like 34 minutes and you're next in line and storming <laughs> out the front doors and dropping your cereals on the ground. Like, come on. Well, I should have used that, uh, that, that analogy when negotiating with them because they were, it was definitely hard. It was, it was definitely yeah. hard. We had yeah. at least three, at least three, maybe four amendments to that person's sale. Yeah. So we had a weird one in Everett, kind of an unfortunate circumstance. The seller was dying. It was, not, it was very touch and go. And it's one of these things where if that person passed before the transaction happened, mm. like it was all this estate things that Probate, were happen. It's oh, so like he had to be the one to be like holding his hands, at least the holding the pen. Uh, yeah. So well, we, ha we had that we too. Had that too. The yeah. timeline was accelerated. I don't remember what that one was, but we had one of those as well. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's funny because it's not, but actually it, the same case was here. Yeah. Uh, the, the reason why we had to close was that uh, the seller, the actual owner, was an older lady and she was going into surgery and the, the, the daughter unfortunately was, she was very upfront and she's yeah. like, I don't know if she's going to make it yeah. past that. So we, we had to, we literally had to close. Wow. Damn. So it, it's, 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 it happens more than, more than you can mm -hmm. imagine. So are you, are you funding most of your projects via hard money or is it kind of a good mix? Has been, yeah, has, it's mostly hard money, but I would say at lower rates than typical hard money, just because of experience now in those relationships. And then there's some additional private funds from private lender on top of that. So we'll go in probably in a transaction with 10% down. So your capital stack is, is, if you broke down the capital stack on like senior <clears throat> debt and then equity on your end and then any other partners, how does that typically play out? 
it's just pretty much we're borrowing that that amount and it's pure debt. It's no equity on these deals. So they get 10 or 12% interest on the private lender side and that'll give us 12 months. And There you, you know. go. <laughs> I, I think what has helped me and Yoni just in the long term is just finding these off-market deals and a discount, right? Yeah. Just getting really yeah. good at negotiating and getting them at, at a discount up front. I think that made the whole all the difference. What tips do you have for negotiating with the seller? <laughs> just be a decent human being. Yeah. Just be personal. Uh-huh. You know, it's all about building those relationships. When we started out, we were just always looking for the tips and tricks on how to negotiate. And only honestly, it comes down to just being nice to the other person and listening to what mm-hmm. they need. Mm-hmm. And if you can provide a solution to those needs, you'll get a smoking deal. Hmm. But so, if you go there and try to to play all type of games and the stereotypical uh, car salesperson uh, pressure high pressure doesn't really work. <laughs> no, well, hold true. on. Before I walk out, I'm going to give you my best <laughs> offer. Let me go outside, call up my partner. Yeah. We'll uh, you know we'll write it down on a napkin. There are groups that do that. People oh, don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. sellers understand that, and they actually that's one reason why they typically are closed off and they yeah. just don't want to share because they're used to that. Hmm. And then we go in. And we have a great team right now that they go out there and just say, you know what, this they just lay the cards on the table and this is our number. This is what a listing would get you. Your call. These are our benefits, but much lower price. This is the benefit of the of the listing, but you gotta go through some hoops to get that price. So nothing wrong with that. And we are a hundred percent upfront. I sometimes in a situation like that will sort of show my cards. Like I'll pencil out a back of the napkin pro forma on what my construction costs will be, what I think the sellout is. Because I think a lot of, one of the impediments is that a seller thinks that you're about to make just like, you know, it's like I'm, I'm trying to get rich, but not on this one deal. Like this is just one step amongst many. And here's my numbers. We sometimes will lay it out if it's in the city and if it's a zoning contingent deal, we'll lay out like, here's our non-contingent price yep. and then here's our contingent price and here's the reasons why I like right that. so we'll kind of lay out the two options for them you know we can buy this as is right now or if you give us up to 12 months with a zoning contingency we can most likely give you more but and these are the reasons why and and that's yeah. kind of how we've typically negotiated boston type deals in the past like and, that and i mean guys I mean, you obviously have experience so you understand this but like think how much risk we take on some of these buildings, especially when you're not going ground up, right? Yeah. You walk into a building, it's completely closed, right? The walls and everything is, it's in place. Mm-hmm. And then you go start the demo and move walls. And then you see this is an old building that just needs a lot more support or that frame had a fire. or whatever. It is fire or <laughs> yeah. had fire in the past. Yeah. Like how fast does that scope of work changes for you? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we take a lot of risk and I, I you know, if we don't buy the discount, I, I just... I don't know how we could really have come this far because there's a lot of mistakes that you say buy as a discount, but it's not really a discount. It's it's like planning for the unknown, and you know there's going to be something. You just don't know what. You know, you open the door. Is it the five hundred dollar change order? Is it the five thousand dollar change order, or exactly. something crazier? It's not. Yeah, it's not. A, yeah, it's not buying. I mean, that's not the right term. Buying at a discount. Uh, just buying right. Actually, that's probably the uh, the one of the earliest advice that we got is uh, you, you make your money when you buy. So it kind of stuck with us and it, it, mm. it's paid off. I mean, we've said no to a lot of deals that were maybe speculative. They were kind of, you know, thin margins and we were conservative. We, we like to be conservative, uh, but just buying right. So, I mean, mm-hmm. definitely, and, and what I said, definitely being an, an, uh, a personable, definitely being a good, normal human, reasonable human being, right? Um, for us, things that have helped us is just kind of sticking to our numbers as well, which is tough to do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just knowing your numbers, explaining them and, 
And just being upfront, uh, you mentioned laying kind of, you know, just telling them that your numbers. Yeah, we would tell people, yeah, just so you know, I'm not going to be, we still tell people we're not going to be your highest number. I mean, uh, you're not going to like our offer. Mm-hmm. Just because people have their guard up and like mm-hmm. they think this is some high stakes negotiation. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's not. I mean, it's not. If we can create a win-win. That's... It's a, exactly. I mean, we, you mentioned just kind of being resourceful and, and, and uh, you know, creative, finding creative solutions. That's what we do. I mean, pretty much every other deal has some unique, mm-hmm. complex solution required type of... Right. Uh, yeah. In other words, terms carry value because exactly. you can be flexible with the seller with the unique yeah. situation. I'll give yeah. you guys a quick example. Something we purchased recently, very briefly. That seller was ready to move. He was done with his building, but he works full-time long hours. He has five kids or whatever, right? So just a busy man. And one, he needs a place to go. And two, he needs movers. He needs, right? So it's not about price with him. It was about getting him to the next thing. Mm. So just figuring that out and creating the logistics of getting him a rental apartment, getting him a van and people to load him and bring him to the next place on a weekend, that's what got the deal done, right? That's great. But if you don't ask those questions and you don't pro- provide the solution, and he was, I mean, he took obviously our price and he was happy. So, Well, Mark, you re- you had a kind of a similar situation recently, recently with one of a purchase you were buying. like, Yeah, it was a um, situation where I had zoning contingency. I had more time available, but interest rates were rising. And I got my bank to extend my rate, extend my rate. I have a 4.5% rate on a construction loan acquisition, pretty good. And so I called the bank president and I said, like, listen, I, I just need... Her, she had been living there for like 50, 60 years to sign a lease on a new apartment. Like I need to see forward motion because the last thing I want to do is take the four and a half percent rate, buy it. And then she decides she's not going to leave. And then you got to try to get someone out of their house. That's not a win at all. Mm -hmm. So I co-signed on her lease. I I paid for her first month's rent, Um, you know, but creative solution to a problem. And like, yeah, a lot of people who don't have the experience will look at you and be like, just buy it and then go through the courts. Like she, if you own it and she doesn't have a right to be there and all she has is a use and occupancy agreement, then you're in the right. It's like, it's not yeah, how it Then works. you end up in the newspaper. Right. Yeah. And the neighbors hate you. And, yeah, for- and, you're in, and a year later, you might be getting her out. Yeah. Yeah, at least here. You know? Maybe. Sure. Yeah. yeah, maybe we, we had maybe. we had something like that in Dorchester, oh. and the lady didn't didn't leave. Go, yeah. And you already bought it, <laughs> and yeah. we bought it. Yeah, oh. yeah, we've had. I mean, uh, last example would actually be uh, we actually saw the other offer was fifty thousand dollars more than ours, and he he didn't he never even saw the other guy. The guy just sent him. It was some other local investor developer, probably too, too busy to even meet him. Just sent him an offer. Didn't even stop by in person, and you know we we were kind of. We helped, we did all of those things, right? We got him movers, we got him, a, I think we got him a hotel for a couple of weeks. And he's like, you know what? I like you guys, you're more, you know, you're more humble. You had, you even had like the courtesy to actually show up and yeah. meet me here. So, you know, so that right there, you know. Makes uh, a difference. Mm-hmm. Makes a difference. Yeah. Even the little things. What kind of margins are you guys looking for to keep your lenders happy, to kind of make sure there's enough cushion in the deal? Is there a specific return that you're seeking? Depends on, on the asset that we're talking about, right? So the fix and flips, we go by the 70% formula. A lot of people are familiar with that. You know, the after repair value of the property times 70% minus repairs. The difficult thing, especially for a lot of people starting out is that they need to figure out the after repair value. Can you slow that down for me? Give, give me that round number. So you, uh, $100,000. $100,000 uh, resale price, right? Okay. Times 70%. Okay. So 70 grand. Right. Minus the repairs that you are or the money that you're spending. So say it's a kitchen and a bathroom and it was 30 grand. Right. So your maximum allowable price on that or the best offer you can give is $40,000. 
Got it. But that's not your pro- <laughs> but that's not your profit. That's no also accounting. Yeah. 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 That's not three percent of twelve hundred. No, I, I want to make sure we're not you know HGTV in it here. That's not yeah. just a pure profit. That also is accounting for soft costs, transactional costs, all those things, right? Correct. Right. So or, I was that there's no, that like, the there's no magic hopefully. to these numbers either. Like I get that question a lot and I like to see 20% on the end of that, but it's, it's not based on science. It's just sort of like, hey, I've done a bunch of deals and that's typically leaves me enough for something I didn't see coming. And, uh, and right. there's, there's a lot it's of other factors. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of other factors like price, depending if it's, if it's, mm-hmm. we're talking about a Worcester single mm-hmm. family versus like a, a Needham Wellesley, you know, you're going to have capital, high capital costs. Mm-hmm. Um, like condo uh, conversion. Condo conversion. And things like that. So it depends on the project really. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. really it, it, But we have used the 70% rule. I mean, even running numbers on condos, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. But yeah, Mark, you brought up a good point on the contingency. You yeah. have a pretty decent number there, 10, 15% if mm-hmm. you can on contingency, because yeah. especially starting out or... If you don't have the experience, things will go wrong, right? Things yeah. will be... Then on the rental side, it's a little different. Uh, Ray, you, you have done a good video on, on cash on cash returns that I like, and I, I follow pretty much that, where it's like 20% cash on cash return on how much money you put into buying this rental, renovating, right? Doing the Burr strategy, and then refinancing out. So that the three family that we got ground up construction in Roxbury that we're keeping that is a perfect bird strategy. We purchased the land for $75,000 four years ago, spent 900,000 building it, we're at 975, let's say a million bucks just for round numbers and it appraised just uh, yesterday at 1.5 million. So we can take 75% of that out and I mean- One two, that's one two right there, there you go. That's obviously a great deal, but if we're putting money into it, we wanna see 20% return on those rentals if we can, yeah. yeah. Nice, makes sense. One of the numbers that I use also, in addition to to what you just mentioned from, from the video, I don't know if that was something we did together or if that was the rental thing. The 1% rule, you ever use yeah. that kind of back of the napkin? It's like once we you're have. all in numbers, yeah. So it's just 1% of the purchase price or purchase plus rehab. You know, 1% of total cost, that should be your monthly rent that you're getting. Exactly. Yeah. It's a good it's a good rule of thumb. Obviously, it doesn't apply to every single you know, it's uh, hard probably. in the city to get those numbers, but if you get out of the city, it seems easier. Yeah, right. Yeah, your ca- I mean, your cap rates are so compressed in the city that it's like it's so hard to get good cash flowing properties in the last four to five years. Yeah, no, without I, I without without doing ground. That, that's what up I was going to say. Or go right and find an off yeah. market property that you can be a little bit more creative. Or needs like a significant amount of value add. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Have you thought about going out of state at all at any point in your careers? Have you have you looked and then said, eh, this isn't for us? And I guess that's more on the rental side rather than the flip right. side and development side. We, uh, silence there. <laughs> we, 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 we uh, no, I mean, uh, we, we have thought about it, but I don't know. We're just, maybe we're uh, ha- having, like actually seeing the properties, you know, knowing the areas, having boots on the ground, having attorneys, contractors, handymen, whatever. I, I don't know. That's, that's worked out for us. Yeah. Uh, it makes us a comfortable kind of, yeah. That's, that's, that's what it is. I think just having the team in place. Like we own one building in uh, Pembroke, New Hampshire. Uh, and just any little thing I, we have to do there, I struggle with because I just don't have the contractors there. Anything in Massachusetts, I'm happy to tackle when it comes to the rental side, right? Because I already have those resources in place. So just makes it easier. And I know this area. I want to invest in my backyard because I know... I understand the area. It's it's scary. I mean, it's, like you said before, it's getting out of your comfort zone and 
you know. Yeah, but that's getting out of your comfort zone. I, I know. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is if you want to do it, you got to get out of your comfort zone and there's obviously going to be growing pains doing it. But exactly. yeah. saw an email that a cold email came in solicitation, 180 units somewhere I want to say in Mississippi and they want a million dollars. I was like, for 180 100, units? 180 units. And all the place is a complete, it needs everything, right? Yeah. So you kind of wonder what your total cost is down there because we don't know the cost. It's totally right. different. It's but craziness. man, it is tempting to just say, you know what? Maybe I'll take a trip down there and see what this is all about. Can, can you forward that? Uh, that yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I, I think it also matters to be focused, right? I think if you are focused and understand and you're really good at one thing, I, I, I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. Because it's going to take our focus away. If I if I fly to Mississippi right now to do due diligence on that, Yoni won't be happy about it, right? Because I'm it's because obviously we need to pretty much stay busy and kind of yeah. do our thing here. So I don't there's know. pros I and cons, yeah. I mean, and, and maybe maybe it's down the road. I don't know, but you, the, you know, the New Hampshire one example that Ennis mentioned, uh, you know, that one we we thought we were in a pretty uh, for, um, we learned the hard way, but we thought we were in a pretty uh, landlord friendly state, right? But that one, there was a there was a tenant that, that kind of uh, didn't pay for like a year and a half, and somehow we couldn't figure it out. How do we like get them out? Basically, even with like at one point there was a court order, we still couldn't figure it out. Hmm. So you know, just and just driving there an hour and a half, two hours every time. It just it's not just the time; it's just also the focus. Going, getting back to what you were doing, mm-hmm. just you know, it's, yeah. it's difficult. But that's been the struggle. I've kind of landed on like if you want to invest in Mississippi and that's going to be your thing and you have a thesis that says that that's a great place to buy and you want to go start spending long weekends down there and learn the difference between, you know, Jeffrey Street and Marginal Street, then great. But um, don't just go to Mississippi for three days, then go to Jacksonville, Florida for three days and then there. Like if, if, if you're going to invest, make right. it worth your time. Pick a market, exactly. yeah. build your team. Oh, yeah. yeah. You need to do due diligence. Yeah. Significant due diligence. So I would argue you should sleep at the property if you can. Yeah, really like see what it's like all the time. Full immersion. Yeah, when when I moved from uh, Nashua to Manchester, at that point, I convinced my wife, at, not the time girlfriend, but said, "Hey, we should buy a two-family instead of rent." You know, it'll be like a five-year plan. I remember one night I was just so freaked out that something might happen or the heat would turn off because it was a really weird system. I just slept over there. I woke up at seven in the morning. Electrician walks in. He's like, "What's going on?" I was like, "I don't know. Just want to keep an eye on the place." <laughs> I, I bought a two-family next to a pizza shop. And the first night I was there, I was like, they don't turn that fan off the whole night, every night, because it gets so hot behind back there that they just leave this goddamn fan running. And I'm a light sleeper and it bothered me. Oh, and also they, they do commercial trash pickup three days a week for the pizzeria. And that happens at like 5 a.m. and it's loud. Yeah. <laughs> so you got good insulation and soundproofing yeah. Yeah. As, a, as a matter of fact there. Yeah. Yeah. So how about any rules of thumb for construction costs? Like... I think we talk a lot about price per square foot, price per unit on new builds. But if you're doing a light rental and you go to something, you're like, hey, it just needs a new kitchen. Or like, wh- wh- how do you derive your, uh, your hard costs? Right. So full gut rehabs, I think we're, we're now lending in the 100 to $125 a square feet, right? Uh, especially for, for single family. For single family, $125 a square foot full gut rehab because obviously you guys know how expensive it is now with that seems so cheap to me i'm sorry well yeah we are outside the city right yeah. for most of them uh but it's a full gut that's what we end up with yeah it's one kitchen it's one furnace it's one mm-hmm. yeah cosmetic updating would be a little different that would be probably a line item by line item right where we just put a dollar amount to the flooring to the paint to mm-hmm. the new kitchen so and that's just on experience you know based yeah. on what we paid in the past and mm-hmm. now we're plugging some numbers in there and coming up with a total 
it's a work in progress. I'm still, yeah. you know, <laughs> getting better at that. Always but we're all, you know, one thing that I, I think I'm getting better at that I, I just wasn't doing it right. I was borrowing less than what we actually were spending when it comes to the rehab, which was putting more pressure on cash flow because now you have to actually upfront that cash to your contractors, right? So I would think on day one, I would spend $80,000 renovating it and I would end up with 110 or 120 at the end. And if you actually don't know that number up front, that means that your hard money lender is not going to pay you the 110 or 120. They're going to pay you the 80 that they committed to. Some obviously will change those terms and you can explain all that, but just be prepared. Know mm -hmm. those numbers. Work with professional. Know those numbers up front if you can. Because yeah. that can put a lot of stress into the business. It's not good to go for a second bite at the apple. No. no. Um, We've talked so much about, you know, hard to know the numbers and prices keep going up. Are there any areas where you're seeing prices kind of stabilize, come down, any 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 light at the end of this inflation tunnel that you're seeing boots on the ground yet? For materials or? For materials, labor, any of that? Not really. No. no. <laughs> Jeez, I'm racking my brain here. Done. We, uh, we're sort of coming up on time here. Any, uh, any final I did have one other yeah. question about, you mentioned earlier, so now you have an acquisitions team. We do, yeah. And so at what point did you decide to expand because i know you said you know you were going on site and you were you were the acquisitions guy yeah when did you decide that you needed to bring other people on was it hard to do that knowing that there would be obviously costs associated with it bringing on employees and yeah. things like that no, that's a good question so then we've been doing so we've been with whiteacre we started it in 2014 and for the first five years we pretty much was just manually so it took us five years to get out of that <laughs> comfort zone that we talked about and hire the next hire. And then- Who was that next hire? Was, was an inside sales agent, someone okay. that could pretty much talk on the phone, schedule us for appointments. Right after that, then we brought an acquisition manager because we, we realized that we can be out there going on appointments at the same time managing the projects, at the same time doing direct mail, right? You can't be doing it all otherwise. Not at that volume. Right. And we were doing, obviously we had a lot less leads back then, but it was getting very difficult. But once you take that first step and, and you run numbers and you say, hey, this is what's going to cost me a full year for someone. And if you have, we had those funds, just put it aside, right? And you just commit to hiring someone that you need for a full year. Obviously it's very uncomfortable because now you are, you are hiring, now you're training, you have to be the leader. You have to be, obviously, you have to do all these other things that you didn't do before. So it, it's, it's difficult. It wasn't easy. But I think then we went from one to 10 within two years, right? So now we have 10 employees and just a bigger team altogether. It's awesome. Yeah. You need that wide angle lens for the uh, team shot on Instagram. I saw it. <laughs> it's great. Thank so, you. hey, congrats on all your success. It's been an awesome conversation. If folks want to follow your work, uh, see what you're up to. What's the best way for them to do that? If they want to sell you their home. Yeah, sure. Uh, whiteacreproperties.com. Uh, you can, you know, uh, can we put our emails on the, on the show notes? And whatnot? Yeah, we'll put your emails and, and, and uh, your Instagram, Instagram handles. Yeah, yeah, Instagram at... Uh, YouTube. Uh, <laughs> basically, Whiteacre Properties for Instagram, YouTube, and... Uh, Facebook. 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 Yeah, cool. it's, the same, it's the same handle. Yeah, yeah, these guys do a great job of educating younger developers on uh, sort of the process uh, and things to look out for in that and such. So yeah, and they have a great, great meetup. I yeah. don't know if you want to plug that. Yeah. Boston real estate connection meetup. Um, if you go on the meetup page or just Google Boston real estate connection meetup, uh, we get together once a month and it's just a free event to hang out and yeah, talk. It's an awesome and, event. Yeah. Nice. Well, Hey, thank you guys both for joining us. 
Thank you. Thank you. This was this, this was, was amazing. Really thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks it. for coming. And we appreciate everybody's feedback. Any ratings on uh, all the listening platforms, wherever you're tuning in from. So thanks for that feedback. Comments, five stars, hopefully. And if not, let us know where we can improve. See you on the, Catch next, you on the next one. Cheers.